Hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being a guest on my uh, little podcast. I really appreciate you because I know you like really, really keeping really busy. Uh, I'm trying to stay busy here, <laughs> but thank you for having me. I'm, well, I'm happy to have you. So, how has being on the road, you know, uh, challenged your 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 personal space and your personal life, and and how did the pandemic affect, you know, what you do and and everything, your business? So, uh, you know, in regards to uh, my personal life, I mean, I fortunately married. My wife was on tour when I met her. She was singing background for Let It. Uh, and then later she uh, started singing background with Ziggy. Actually, the the week after we got married, she went back on tour. So, <laughs> wow. the, uh, yeah, so uh, fortunately my personal life was good. Um, we recently had a, uh, a one-year-old daughter, um, so that was during the pandemic. Um, fortunately, though, we weren't touring while she was pregnant. So, I, you know, even though I wasn't able to go to the appointments and such because of the pandemic, I was here during delivery and, you know, to just be the support system. Uh, my son, he's off to college now. He's been ready to finish his first year. Um, so, you know, he hasn't been a little guy in a long time. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, so that that part, you know, I guess it's kind of fortunate. Um, you know, the pandemic uh, really kind of forced us back into, I think, the virtual space. And I say back because when I first started my career, I was a studio rep. Um, so I didn't start touring uh, to mid my career, um, but it kind of put me back into the production, songwriting, you know, things that I've done 20 years ago, I guess. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the it's another build. It's not as consistent um, financially. Uh, I think that's that's kind of affected all of us. Um, but oh, yeah. hopefully things are, uh, you know, starting to, to turn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's are, what we hope. Yeah. yeah. Things are picking back up. Yeah. Okay, so you were born and raised in Battle Creek, Michigan, by way of D.C. So you live yeah. in D.C.? Yeah, so when I was a little kid, uh, my mother, uh, she just believed uh, in my talent, and she um, she moved to D.C. Uh, we lived with my aunt, who was stationed at Fort Meade. Uh, she's in the Army. Uh, so we lived there for a little while and then uh, moved into the city, and she just was active about finding me piano teachers and competitions and just different things that, you know, a small town like Battle Creek just didn't have. And uh, so I, I was fortunate to have a mom like that who, who believed early on. My father, um, they were split. So my father still lives in uh, Michigan. I would go see him during the summertime, but he was also a mu uh, church musician and a songwriter. So I kind of got the, the education and the theory from the D.C. folks. And then, you know, my studio and uh, songwriting experience back there in Michigan, so it was kind of the, that festival world kind of kind of thing growing up. Wow. So, man, so you just surround, you've been surrounded by musical, uh, music all your my life. My entire life. My, yeah, my grandmother, the story is, my grandmother uh, taught herself how to play the piano, um, yeah. and she taught herself how to read music uh, when my dad was a kid. And so then my, she and my aunt um, played and sang, uh, and so it was just kind of a natural thing. They said, you know, the first thing I started doing, I was walking. I would run from one end of the room, hit the piano, and then run back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> well, you was really born to do this. This is what this is your destiny. Yeah. 
I, I don't remember doing anything else or even being interested. I, I remember people trying to force me into sports and, you know, some of the other things that boys were doing my age. But I think I played basketball maybe one summer, and I bit my finger, and that was it. That was I knew it. I could play piano. <laughs> you like to let anything mess up your gift. Are you kidding me? <laughs> exactly. You are no, you are no fool. Your mama didn't raise no fool. That's right. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, so you moved to it to the ATL in year 2000 and worked with the super group Jagged Edge with your uh, roommate, and he was, I guess, he's also a musician. You all formed. Yes. So it was two roommates, uh, uh, Dwayne and Pierre. Uh, we came down. We were in college uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, and there was a talent show. Um, that uh, another girl was actually getting ready to go try out for. So we had been recording demos and such on her, really, because we were trying to hear what our songs would sound like on somebody else. And uh, she asked us to go to the audition. And we said, sure, you know, as support. And when we got there, uh, we saw that it was Jagged Edge and their management holding on because they were from Hartford. And uh, they didn't really care for her voice, but they asked her, who wrote the song? <laughs> so here we walked in, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. They they literally moved us uh, to Atlanta that summer, and uh, just put us in the studio, you know, just in that crash course. Uh, so this would have been in the era of like, let's get married, and he can't love you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe we were just right in the center of it <laughs> as the young kids. And uh, one of the guys, Kyle. He owned a house in, in Stone Mountain in the corner of a cul-de-sac. Mm -hmm. And so he decided to call his home studio the corner. And we were the corner boys. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, it. <laughs> that is so cute. I love that. The corner yeah. boys. And you all went on writing and producing for hits for Sierra, Carrie Hilson, Omarion, yeah. and so many others. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, back in the days. <laughs> back in the days. Yeah, when uh, Pro Tools was new. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the uh, established engineers and producers didn't think that digital recording was going to be a thing because it didn't have the warmth sound of tape. Um, but, you know, we were kids. We were 18, 19 years old. We didn't know the difference. So, you know, stick us in front of a computer, it could have crashed a thousand times. We were, we were diligent <laughs> to go figure it out. Right. So I think we just caught that perfect storm in the early 2000s of the the transition, which now is kind of second hand. You know, everybody's on a laptop uh, in the computer and working straight into the box, you know. But yeah. back then, you know, there were a lot of people that just rejected that and didn't think that it was going to last. And here we are. <laughs> wow. Little did they know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so now you work for BET, so Monique Show. I actually saw, I've seen you on TV a few times. Um, mm -hmm. You are the co-music director for BET Sunday's Best, um, mm -hmm. Apollo Live, Super Bowl Gospel, the Trumpet Awards, Comics View, the list goes on, on and on. <laughs> now tell me, how did you get the, um, to be the co-music producer for the BET's um, Monique Show? How did so, funny story, so we... It kind of goes a little further back. Um, when I first got the call for um, Sunday Best, Keisha Jackson, a uh, friend of us both, Millie um, right. Jackson's daughter had got a call from Ray Chu, and they were looking for background singers for Sunday's Best. And so that, that 
that was a brand new show then. They had only gone through first season. They'd done the first season in L.A., and they were bringing the second season here to Atlanta. So he was trying to do a local background thing. So she called me because, you know, uh, gospel music just ain't her thing. You know, Keisha is Erica Badu and Outkast yeah. and you know, all the right. legends. Right. Uh, you know, so she was like, I need you to help me put this together. And I said, okay, cool. So uh, I actually gave her three singers, and she said, no, 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 I need you to do it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I've never seen background on that before. Okay. Uh, you know, she's like, but I trust you. You know, you're going to help me out. So, you know, and, and that's how it happened. So wow. I met Rachel on that gig, um, and then I met Big Jim Wright on that gig. And Big Jim, I knew of him from the Sound of Blackness. Um, and I had done some gigs with Ann Nesby prior to that. So, you know, he was just more of a legend to me. Um, and then, you know, when we met, for whatever reason, we just we just clicked. And um, I remember calling him after that show uh, just to kind of link up. I was thinking about uh, moving to L.A. at the time. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, don't move yet. You know, I might have something coming up for you. And I said, okay, cool. And then, um, lo-, lo and behold, uh, Monique was starting a late night show. Uh, and uh, said she was looking for a house band. He kind of put some people together. So he had Doc Powell, uh, who used to play with Luther Vandross, mm-hmm. uh, and Deborah Killings, obviously, who um, he had asked me about her, and I was like, you know, I, I don't really know Deborah, but I'm sure, you know, she could be located. And, you know, Deborah, I, I always call her the fourth member of TLC oh. because <laughs> all of the stuff, <laughs> from Waterfalls to... You know, baby, baby, creep, all that stuff oh, is different yeah. on, on face as well as uh, uh, background. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I called her. She was like, okay, cool. And then we needed a drummer. And I, was, I asked him, I said, well, you work with Jeff Lewis. You don't know John? And he was like, I, I heard of him, you know. <laughs> so I called John. Mm-hmm. And, you know, John was down. And we became the Printhouse Players. Uh, so um, I, after that show, uh, I just kind of stayed in touch with Jim. Uh, we later built a studio here. And uh, our initial goal was to just try to establish a different sound uh, in R&B music. Uh, we kind of felt like R&B had uh, a one-directional kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. We were losing that classic sound. Nothing wrong with the urban, uh, you know, what trapped out sound that we call it now. Um, but, you know, there was a time where you could be, you know, uh, Prince, Michael Jackson, and Luther Vandross. And so <laughs> we didn't want to be so one-dimensional right. uh, in our musical presentation. And then from that, Sunday Best ended up rolling back around, and uh, we got into TV. <laughs> and so uh, Larissa Jones, uh, who was the executive at the time, had called and, you know, asked us to do it. And he was like, all right, you know, you know, I, you know, I don't do this for real, so, you know, you got to help me. <laughs> Jill was a he was a studio guy, you know. Yeah. He had really toured and done live shows like that. So mm-hmm. we we established our partnership from there. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now, were you really given? Um, I saw you on R and B Divas, and you were given was it S W B or was uh, it? No, R and B Divas would have been uh, so it would have been Faith and uh, no. I know what you're talking about. It was the um, the trouble with the Shaka Khan tribute, probably. You were giving somebody voice lessons, and I was thinking, is he yeah. giving her voice lessons? <laughs> <laughs> he was yes, making yes. a cameo appearance. Uh, it was Felina Johnson. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yes, actually. It, what's funny about that question is she asked, 
me after we take. Now, we're going to do this for real. This was just for TV. You heard me cool. Everything. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. so funny. Uh, but, yeah, she, yeah that, actually, that actually went down. That was the vocal assassin or whatever he called me. Mm-hmm. He, had, he just made that up on the spot. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? So, but I, you know, being a graduate of Ellington, I did study voice. So I just kind of went back into my arsenal on certain things. And, uh, yeah. And I was working with Selena, and yeah, she we've been cool ever since. Yeah, that was <laughs> just so cool. I'm like, oh my god! I just looked up. I wasn't expecting to see you. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that that's hilarious, man. Okay, now let's talk about when you really start making the big money, co-writing and produce the theme song to ABC's hit show, Mix It. Mix, mix, mix It, yeah. So, oh my god, Mix It was. Uh, um, it was a spinoff show from Blackish. Blackish, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kenya Burris um, had done a show, and so his uh, ex-wife was mixed, and I believe her name is Bo. Um, so he kind of designed a show just around that synergy, um, you know, which I think is a story that many of us are unfamiliar with, um, mm-hmm. because you know we see mixed kids or mixed families all the time. Uh, you know, but if they resonate in a certain skin tone, we categorize them automatically. Right. Um, so, but that, whatever that is psychologically, I think he did a great job of um, putting it on screen for us to understand what that, uh, you know, identity crisis kind of looks like, um, mm-hmm. but in a comedic form. Uh, so with Mariah, obviously she is uh, biracial. And, um she has a song on um, her Butterfly album, I believe it's called Outside. Mm-hmm. And um, it basically talks about those kinds of uh, struggles. But that song was slow. And, um, of course, they wanted a theme song, so they wanted more of a up-tempo. Mm-hmm. And so he literally said, so I want these kinds of lyrics, but I want you to do, like, one of your classic, you know, the show was based in the 80s, so, you know, kind of your classic thing. Right. <laughs> And uh, we were on tour at the time. We were, I think we were in Spain. And she <laughs> she hit me up. It was like, we got to go to the studio tonight. And I was like, what? <laughs> I think what I can say. And so, yeah, we got there. I did my boy, Sheree, uh to do some drum programming. And that night, we came up with that song. <laughs> wow. Daniel, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That is huge. Thank you. Thank so, you. And congratulations on that. Then that was going to be my next question. What is your biggest accomplishment so far? Do you think it's writing that theme song for a hit TV show? I mean, honestly, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, obviously I thank God for every opportunity oh, yeah. that's been granted. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I guess I don't really look at the, the big things like that. I mean, you know, they're all jobs. I think we're all independent contractors. And so, you know, you get certain jobs that are, you know, big, big-paying ones, some jobs that are smaller-paying ones, but I try to put the same force and effort into each one because I'm, I'm a contractor. So, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know. You know that's, a, that's a great way to look at it. You don't think one job is bigger than the other because Not at all. You, you bring the same, you know, that's right. set, attitude, uh, you know, everything, respect to, to yes. um, a smaller job, and I appreciate that because, you know, you played with me before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love playing with you. I tell people all the time, I mean, 
when, when I was doing a lot of gigs around town, you know, you were the one artist that always sung your own music. And I, I just always respected that because um, I think that's how you find an identity as an artist. And, you know, there's a difference between being uh, just a, a lounge singer or, you know, kind of that kind of thing that just right. does covers mm-hmm. and an artist. <laughs> and, you know, artistry comes from the bravery of, you know, doing your thing. And, I mean, over the years, I've watched people, you know, know those songs and sing them back to you. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. That's so dope to me. <laughs> yeah, it is dope. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now tell me, what song were you nominated for the Grammy? Oh, so uh, I did a gospel record. Sher uh, Jones Moffitt, who sings the song Encourage Yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we had done a song called Grace of God, uh, and at the time there was uh, a category for like R&B gospel or something, mm-hmm. and yeah, somehow she got nominated, and I was like, this is cool. We got beat by Heather Headley, but it was still, <laughs> but it was still cool to uh, <laughs> be nominated to give a yeah, awesome. picture. Yeah, that's, that's you know that's a high honor to even be you know. Um, thought of in the same category, the Grammy is the biggest you can get. So, Absolutely. You know, that's, Absolutely. That's really awesome. Thank you. Very, very, very good. Okay, Thank so you. Um, you also, now I know you're um, Mariah's MD, so mm-hmm. you're doing the, the uh, what is it called, the, um, uh, the, when you playing at the same spot. Oh, Biggest residence. Residence. Yeah. residence. There we go. Yeah. I don't know what, yeah. What's going on with me? Okay. Tell me about that. How is it playing at the residency? You know, how I, I mean, it? honestly, that's mm-hmm. fun for me. Um, you know, it, to, to be able to just go downstairs, get the gig, and go back to your room. Isn't that fun? <laughs> no, no travel. No, no travel. You know, no gas. No yeah, just, all that. Yeah, just mm-hmm. sound checkers at this time. That's it. Uh, I mean, I thought it was great. Um, we we uh, hopefully are coming back soon. Obviously, all the casinos are shut down during the pandemic. Right. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's been great. She started with the number one show, uh, which was really fun um, because she kind of took a journey. So like you know, you would in the she literally went from so Mariah has nineteen number one records. Mm-hmm. So she literally went from the very first one, Vision of Love, all the way through the rest of her catalog in chronological order. So you can really see that nostalgic change. I mean, to the point where she was dressing like she did when she first came out. Mm-hmm. And you can see those evolutions from music videos on screen and just, you know, all the things that were stage productions. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later we went to uh, another show called The Butterfly Returns, and that was more... I guess, catered towards, you know, other hits because obviously Mariah has a lot of songs. Right. And so when we were limited to those number one, you know, people wanted to hear other things, you know, mm-hmm. that they loved just as much, not their number two. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, so, you know, I mean, working with her is, is amazing because it is such a vast catalog. Yes. Uh, and, you know, at the time when I first got the gig, I didn't know that she was the songwriter she is. Um, and she wrote all of those songs from Vision of Love, you know, moving forward. She never covered, uh, you know, anybody else's records herself other than the songs that were already known, like I'll Be There, right. or, you know, uh, some of those kind of songs. But, I mean, even all of them from Christmas, she wrote it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like taking that that kind of journey and and figuring out how to bring it alive night to night, uh, you know, was, was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do, do y'all, like, change up the, you know, format or just do the 
Please. We do. Uh, we do. I mean, obviously, some things are kind of stationary, um, but we would, you know, there was always that moment where, you know, uh, she'd come to the piano and ask people what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> well, that, you know, that's always, I learned that when I was with Anita Baker, uh, yeah, you know, because talk, she. I want to talk about you playing with her as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, she, she too was that, you know, she'd do like the first four or five songs and then she'd literally say, she still does this day, you know, what do y'all want to hear? And, <laughs> you know, when you do that, you know, you really got to know that person's catalog because they might fire something off. I mean, Anita was fire something off from chapter eight. Like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> and she's looking at you, you know, to know it. And, you know, her songs, obviously, they're not loops. you got to know them. James mm-hmm. just called them chords, you know. <laughs> and, you know, fortunately, both of them have great uh, muscle memory. So they were always almost in the right key every time. Wow. <laughs> so I didn't have to do too much guessing. Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> okay, so what's the most fun you've ever had on stage? <laughs> Who were you playing with? Um... That's a hard one. I would I would say though one of my most fun moments probably is with the Jacksons only because that's just me as a kid, you know, looking mm-hmm. at the Jackson Five and just wanting to do that. And you know, working with the brothers. Um, yeah, how is it working with the brothers? <laughs> so so the brothers the brothers are fun. Um, you know, they're jokesters. You know, they really are brothers. Like to us, they're like the Jackson Five is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. But like to them, they're just family. Like, <laughs> Um, 
I was able to be in the presence of uh, the late Marvin Hamlish, uh, which was amazing. So she would do like these pop orchestra gigs. Mm -hmm. And so just be me and her, you know, going to whatever city with the orchestra and Marvin Hamlish would be the conductor. And so, you know, understanding how to get 60 to 80 musicians on the same page and you only get a 90 minute rehearsal. So (laughs) one rehearsal, 90 minutes and that's it. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, his his ability, no matter what, to be able to get the interpretation out of the score, because, you know, a lot of classical musicians, they're just reading it straight down. And, you know, sometimes there's not a lot of feel or a lot of, uh, you know, presence to it. But what he could bring to it was was exceptional. And then her voice, I mean, it just resonates oh, yeah, <laughs> over that kind voice. of sound, you know, just like, wow. And then... You know, she was one of those ones that, you know, there are certain singers that can pull the emotion out of every lyric. Mm-hmm. And that was her. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite record on that on that particular uh, show was When I'm Changing. I mean, because everybody loves that, I'm telling you, but I'm Changing was mm-hmm. more of that testimony of herself. And so the way she could just pull that out, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like it was, it was yeah. Well, to me, if you aren't an emotional person, you're not going to be a great singer. You have to be emotional to get up Correct. there and deliver, you know, to make people feel what you're trying to portray in the song. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a sermon within itself. Uh, yeah. You know, unfortunately, you know, music um, pops onto the algorithm space. So it's mm-hmm. now about what's the BPM, what tempo, what plugs did you use? You know, what tuning device are you on? And you can tune and correct the feel right out of the song. Um, but, if, you know, if you can. That's funny. Yeah, you can. It just, I mean, it becomes very robotic. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those singers who just kind of understand how to just leave it on the record and, of, or, and to be vulnerable enough to express yourself. You know, I think, I think one of the greatest uh, stories, you know, always like that Aretha Franklin kind of story where, you know, okay, you have a 12-year-old girl who has a kid, then she has another one at 14, you know, another, and, and you never really knew her backstory. Mm-hmm. But if whatever she was going through, you felt it in those records still. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. that vulnerability mm-hmm. and fearlessness to do that is second to none. You know, yeah. Donny Hathaway is another one. Ooh. You know, it's just, you can just feel it. And none of us know what was going on, goes you know, to it. make him, mm-hmm. you know, commit suicide the way he did, but you just feel it in that record. Like, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the joy of it, I think, you know, to be able to express yourself through this, you know, universal language that we share. That's true. And sometimes it evokes um, emotions out of you that you, like, okay, sometimes I have been on stage, right, as a performance, I'm ashamed because I felt like they see me, oh, but but that's just who I am. I'm giving everything. And so I feel like I'm naked standing before them sometimes, some of my shows, you know, and I'd be embarrassed. And I'm like, why am I embarrassed? I'm up here performing, giving all I got, you know, just letting it all hang out. And so, yeah, you really have to be and have respect for the art. And like I say, I got over being embarrassed. But now, I don't, you know, I just get up there and say whatever and sing whatever. <laughs> I, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I never I never forget, I heard Kelly Price once say, um, you know, mm-hmm. nobody's paying to see you fail. Yeah. <laughs> so if a person has come to your show and they paid their money, 
they want to see a great show. Yeah. So there's no reason to be fearful. Like, they're literally there to cheer you on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay, so now, now tell me about some of the train wrecks before a show and how did you fix them and, you know, like, you know, because we all have had them, oh, my goodness. And so have yeah. you ever had a performance that almost, you know, like stuff happened before the performance that almost messed up your entire show? Tell me about some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, every, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big component of Murphy's Law, you know, what can go wrong. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I there's no way to really prepare for those things, no, but everything from the ears going out to, uh, and when I say, you know, in-ears, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so you don't hear that first opening clip, uh, you know, or maybe the drummer didn't hear it and the, the song didn't start properly, the lights didn't work, the the dress didn't fit, so we got to wait. Uh, you know, like, you know, it's just been everything that can go wrong. You know, the video wall doesn't work, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, there there are... There are countless things. I don't think I've ever done uh, a perfect show. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the professionalism is, is to still be going, you know, and people didn't know. You know, I remember um, actually right before the pandemic, 2018, uh, we played a show, sold out show uh, in Madison Square Garden uh, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, the night before, um, I had failed out the bathroom and uh my part of my nose was literally on the floor. What? And and thank God my wife was there uh, to be able to, you know, call the you know, hospital and I mean the uh, ambulance and uh, you know, they she was able to call our tour manager and they rushed me into Mount Sinai and uh they had to surgically put my nose back together. You are kidding me. Literally. And so that night, you know, uh <laughs> I knew we had a show, and I knew that... You went on stage after all of that? Well, that's the thing. So, you know, I I was contemplating all the way to an hour prior to the show. And everybody on the crew, cast, everybody was so gracious to the point where they let me use uh, Mariah's crib change so that I didn't have to go to the dressing room and put my suit on and all. And then they put, like, a Santa hat and a whole Santa-like beard and mustache so they could cover up all of the bandages that was on me. Wow. And then the playback guy had, like, recorded some previous nights that we'd done. So he had all of my piano parts in the box just in case I was unable to play. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and so I told him my first opening song was Talk to Harold. And I have a talk back, and I said, you know, okay, if I get through this first one, I'm going to let y'all know if I can keep going. But my cold is butterfly, uh, and that means I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, somehow for 90 minutes straight, I played like that with a bandage, you know, broken nose. And had I, you know, swung my head the wrong way, I don't know, the whole thing might have fell apart right there on the (laughs) – in front of 20,000 people. Now, see, I know you're going to tell me a story like that. I mean, that's really (laughs) – yeah, wow. no, it, it's real. I mean, it's but, real. you know, I, I, I thank God even, you know, not that just I'm alive, but, you know, I was able to get through that. And I yeah. felt like, you know, I had to I had to prove that that kind of thing to myself, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I went to every follow-up, didn't know the pandemic was right around the corner. Oh, uh, well, this is recent. But yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, right before. we Yeah, that happened in December. The world shut down in March. Yeah. 
And then you had a baby. Then I had a baby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man, that's, 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 that's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. Wow. Okay, so finish this sentence for me. Mm-hmm. I am a frustrated blank. I don't know that I'm frustrated. That's interesting. Okay, like, yeah. No, okay, maybe I'm not saying it right. You know how, okay, so I, I asked another friend of ours, Sam Sims. He said, mm-hmm. was it Sam or was it Darnell? I'm a fresh, frustrated golf, you know, golfer or something. <laughs> something yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nothing yeah. that you want to do that you haven't done that you wish you could have done another life or something like that. No, again, you know, thank God my family still works because I'm not sure I would have done anything else. Like, I, mm-hmm. I know people you know, who are, like, great at other things mm-hmm. and have, like, multi-talent, mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> well, you know I what? Have, you don't have to, as a kid, your talent I is so big, you just need to do what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, even as a kid, like, I never desired anything else. Um, you know, I, I did want to, you know, be Michael Jackson, so I thought, you know, <laughs> as a kid, like everybody else did, you know, but... Um, yeah, of course, yeah, I was going to moonwalk, but... <laughs> That's funny because I used to want to be down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go do it. You know, but I, I'll say, you know, when, from the time I moved to Atlanta uh, back in 2000 to now, like, I mean, I never I never felt like I didn't get a chance to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it was just, you know, even though the artistry side of what I was doing didn't necessarily happen the way I thought, I had so many other great, you know, moments. I didn't miss that. I didn't regret that I didn't complete some project that's still sitting on a hard drive. <laughs> right. you, know, you know, that was the thing. And I never, yeah, I know Sam and my daughter, they all golf. Yeah. You know, my grandfather uh, golfs, you know, my uncles. My my uncle actually, uh, he's still, again, in Michigan, and uh, Magic Johnson is from Lansing, Michigan. So mm-hmm. whenever they do the celebrity tournament, he called my uncle because he went to high school with him. Wow. Uh, and, uh, yeah. But I'm like, yeah, like, I can't even watch my uncle play. Like, it's so, like, oh, man, I can't do it. <laughs> and my son, like, he's a big sports head. He wanted to be a, a sports uh, uh, telecaster at one point. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he sits there and talks to me about everybody who's been traded, all of the staff, and I'm so lost. But I, I'm just listening, like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> I'm so impressed by people that know all the stats for all the players. I, I know people like that. I'm like, in amazement. Like, so awesome. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was never big into, like, video games. You know, nothing, nothing my uh, contemporaries did. <laughs>